Welcome to the Photography Lounge, home of inspirational conversations with the world's best photographers and the leading minds from the photo industry. Brought to you by Smug Mug and Flickr, join me, your host, Alistair Jolly, as I go beyond the lens and I dive deep into the stories of what inspires and motivates the photographers and creatives that we all love and admire. Today's guest is a London-based photographer who specialises in black and white street photography. His work is often described as abstract and it incorporates elements of surrealism, geometry, high contrast and the realities and diversities of human life. He has been featured in publications including The Guardian, The New York Times, The Financial Times and The Washington Post. And he regularly has exhibitions in galleries such as Saatchi Gallery, the Leica Galleries in London and throughout the US. As well as being a wonderful ambassador for Flickr, he is well known as an ambassador for Leica cameras. Several years ago, he co-founded SPI, the Street Photography International Collective, which is set up to help promote the best work in the genre and also to give a platform to talented yet unrepresented photographers. And today, SPI has over 1.6 million followers worldwide. My guest is, of course, the wonderful Alan Schaller. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm blushing. Hello. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Blushing. How's it going, Alistair? It's going well, sir. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward my to pleasure. recording this little podcast with you. Uh, do we find you in London today? Yes, I'm in London, as I have been, unfortunately, con- well, consistently, let's say, for uh, over a year now. Yeah, no traveling. We all know why but that is, right? Still here, yeah. <laughs> you travel constantly, right? So it's been a big change for yourself this last year i will always now think of 2019 as a vintage year and 2018 as well because it involved so much traveling and uh, being able to explore um and yeah i I certainly got used to that uh, way of life and enjoyed it very much from a creative point of view and so had to reassess a lot of things this year kind of take stock of the fact that i'm going to have to just make photos in the place i'm in and not have that uh, diversity but that's fine in a way, because uh, if you're going to pick anywhere, I think London's a pretty good place to start for uh, if you're going to say, oh, photograph a place for one year. But of course, I've really photographed this place for a long time, but it has changed a lot this year as well. So sure. uh, it, it's, it, but it changed quickly and then didn't really change again for a number. <laughs> uh, it's beginning to now, of course, as restrictions are being lifted a bit. Yeah, it, it's been a different pace of of work and a different style of shooting of course i mean you know only being allowed out at one at one point uh being allowed out for only like an hour a day yeah and that was meant to be strictly for exercise and i always went out i you know with the intent of taking pictures how am i i'm, I'm not not going to do that and i i had a bike and you know I, I bought a bike for the first time and i was cycling around london taking pictures and i was taking flack for it online people were like you shouldn't be making pictures at the moment you know, you're only meant to be like some people just got really funny about it, which I think most now would have just thought it's not that big a deal, really, is it? You know, traveling around on your own, making photos. Well, I guess you were exercising physically and exercising your creative juices a little yeah. bit. Well. Yeah. And and I, I don't see the difference between cycling around and having a little camera around your neck, you know, and taking pictures every so often. But some people did. But uh, I just kind of pursued that anyway. And I've, I've definitely discovered, I, I know London far more intimately now than I ever have. And, I, and I've explored places I never thought, uh, you know, just random places in London that I've never been, uh, often don't prove to be that interesting photographically, but I've just explored them for the sake of doing something different on a Tuesday, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> and what was the city like? I mean, you know, we've all seen the, the pictures of all the major cities around the world, you know, completely derelict. And as someone who captures the, the human element so much in the cities around the world, what was it like being a street photographer when the streets were so empty? Was it something you, you enjoyed or was it something that you felt was, was missing? I suppose it, it was interesting at the beginning. Uh, I, I've a lot of my pictures are, uh, have got people isolated anyway, and I've been working on the theme of isolation in in cities of my Metropolis series for like before lockdown happened. So it's already something I've been interested in, but it it made people, of course, very distrustful of other people. They don't want to be near them. But Londoners aren't particularly that accommodating to each other anyway. 
And right. um, the, to have that extra thing, it, it was difficult. You just had to adapt. I found myself using longer lenses uh, so so as not to invade people's space. Typically shoot on a wide angle. And, I've you know, I found myself using a 90 mil right. a lot more as a workaround. So it's just about adapting and... But, you know, it, I, I'm glad that I've taken these pictures and, and documented it. You know, I, I'd never call myself a documentary photographer, but if you take photos in a city, in a pandemic-stricken city for a year, it's going to be a form of documentary, Absolutely. isn't it, I suppose? Um, so I'm glad I've done it. I, I, for now, I, the pictures make me feel a bit sick and I don't want to look at them. But in maybe in 20 years, I'll look at them and go, wow, that was crazy, that period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a bit too raw at the moment to, to probably... Well, yeah, and it's just, I, I'm just so bored of it as well. Right. It's just, you know, I can't, I can't be... Uh, and, and the amount of people who are putting out, like, pandemic series at the moment, it's just like, come on, just do, just do something different. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone... Um, I spoke to a gallery yesterday who said that they're inundated with... Um, requests to show off their pandemic series and i i just don't think that it's something that people are going to want to flood it go out and see once once uh society resumes yeah definitely want a, a change of scenery and a change of entire sure. life and pace so um mm. so you talk you're talking about exhibitions there in your bodies of work your your kind mm. of current exhibition is as you mentioned metropolis quite interesting that you mentioned there that it was already a you know a body of work that was you know focusing on isolation as a theme yeah you know i i think that if i exhibited it now people would go oh is this about covid and it's not about covid actually i i, I thought that there was some sort of social issue that's coming up uh between people and how we're far more on devices and connected by social media, but less willing to talk and engage with each other and some of the problems that that brings up. And I was just interested in that as a, as a topic, not just noticing it in others, but in myself as well. So it's not a pious thing of like, yeah. oh, look at these people, how silly. You know, no one spends more time on their phone than me. Um, <laughs> I, I can testify and, to that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so it's it, it was just born out of uh, just noticing what was going on around. And I think a lot of photographers' series happen like that. And I happen to live in a major city, and that's the kind of thing I've noticed both since when I was a teenager to now, is, is that people are le even less likely to want to engage and communicate. You know, the fact that people can't even meet each other, and you like, you can't find a date unless you're on an app because people don't really know how to talk to each other anymore or how to approach each other and and i think that that's just get going you know sym symptomatic of, of how society's going so uh, you know I, I just thought that was quite a um an interesting theory like topic to explore and i think i think that a lot of people can relate to it as well so but now obviously this isolation thing with covid is just like taking it to the extreme but it's interesting that yeah maybe it will change things now that when things come back maybe people will be a bit more open let's hope so um, yeah i don't know definitely we'll interesting time. do you have any any plans for these series the exhibitions in the future if you have any because they were the exhibitions you had lined up with all have been cancelled them so yeah well they 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 were um they were kind of postponed, I suppose. Yep. So they were they were kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. To be honest, I have no idea now like what's going on because I I had as with uh, Leica and in the US I was going to do a series of like five shows and they just said we have no idea <laughs> what's going on anymore. You know, we kind of pushed it back last year to like we thought that the pandemic stuff would be over in August, so we were planning for like. September, October time. And then by that point, we were like, right, let's push it to January. And then January, we just said, right, let's just talk in the future at yeah. some point. Let's talk when we can actually do something about it. Yeah, and and, and we still can't do yeah. anything about it. And that's not their fault. That's not my fault. It's just how it is. But I've got my first show uh, in the diary, uh, which will be in London. And I'm very excited about that. And it's going to be stuff that I've shot in the past year. It's not going to be a COVID series. It's just going to be new, new material that mm -hmm. I've shot. And um, I am working on some projects, but this one's just going to be a kind of a kind of free for all almost yep. of like stuff I've been doing that I like, and I just want to put that out for once and not not just go on about some sort of concept. That's, that's good. <laughs> the, the series that you do these concepts. So you've got several series that you you have exhibited. Some of them featuring animals. You've got dogs, yeah. dogs, dogs, which yeah. is about dogs um you've got uh winging it which is about pigeons about or, pigeons yeah that's correct and you and i have been in 
several parts of the world together, and I've, I've definitely yeah. witnessed you chasing pigeons uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a you bit have an of affinity a, a, with pigeons. It's a it's a problem, isn't it? Uh, I have I have some sort of uh, I don't I, I don't know why I I I, I just find them quite a challenge, um, a technical challenge. Uh, they're obviously not the brightest bird in the world, so they're not. You can't just go up to it like a dog and and say sit there, and, you know, and and. The only thing they do respond to really is food. <laughs> um, and unless you're in London or New York, they're very frightened and you, you've got to be careful. So it, it, it actually started off as a, a bit of a, of a technique, like almost like a technique building project. You know, if you can think in terms of bird speed, like when a bird flies, flies off, yep. if you can actually plan and capture a shot like that, uh, humans on the street become very slow. Right. You know, it's a bit like in, I don't know, I think Rocky, one of the films, is a montage where they make him like chase chickens uh, to kind of get his speed up. Like, and, and, and it was it's a little bit, but also I then, I started reading up into pigeons and I and, and just, I don't know, some people hate them. A lot of people hate them. I, I, I'm one of those people who's quite happy to have one land on my knee and, and give it a, give it a, you know, a peanut. Yeah. Um, and, and I find them very, I mean, not if it's covered in, filth and really mangy but um i've just found them interesting subjects and i like people's reactions when i say oh, i'm doing a series on pigeons they all go oh you know what the hell's that about and then hopefully you know they look at the pictures and go oh these are actually nice yeah some <laughs> of my favorite work of yours is definitely your you know some of your pigeon work especially yeah, your, your use of not just the pigeon but the shadows and the reflections that you mm. you kind of focus on with with some of your work and then the dog stuff is beautiful as well. Well, the, just last thing on the pigeon stuff is that, you know, saying I'm doing a series on pigeons sounds really daft, but I think it kind of hammers home the ethos of street photography of like making something out of nothing and trying to make the ordinary into something different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing more mundane really than the, than the street pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if you can actually make something like not just one or two shots, but if you can, you know, I saw it as a challenge to try and build up an exhibition's worth of pictures that are from around the world that make sense. And um, yeah, it's definitely taught me a lot about photography. Yeah, these bodies of work that when you're doing them, do you do you come up with the concept and then focus on them quite exclusively no. or do they build up over time? No, I, I it's not like, yeah, I, I don't really set myself commissions, if, if, mm. you, if you know what I mean. It, it's I've done it a couple of times, but... It never really worked out. Um, I find it well. The only one that I set for myself was was on the on the London Underground, but that was more when I started photography, and it was out of convenience because I was had a full time job in in a different industry, and I had to use the the train all the time, and so I just thought I might as well shoot on the train because I I'm not you know I've got uh, an hour commute there, you know half an hour there, half an hour back, so an hour in total a day, so six hours a six hours a week I'm getting for free just keeping my eyes open on the train so that was kind of born out of necessity but all the other ones are kind of I you know I've always loved dogs since I was a boy and I've you know that that's just a I just want I just gravitate towards them I was just taking pictures of them and you know I started seeing Elliot Erwitt's work with dogs and I thought that they're some of the best street photographs ever made I think and I just thought Maybe I can continue that theme or try something a bit different. Try see see if I can apply my style and take on things to to that concept that he started. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun. It's just I I, I try and have fun with photography. I, I, I like to. Um, I often realise that I'm I've got a a a, ser a like a series in the making because I look back on my work every so often and I can see that there are trends there. And then and then it's about figuring out why that's interesting and. You know that that thing that people say, oh, ultimately it's all about finding out about yourself. But it kind of, I have actually in that way through photography, just like, you know, the, the isolation series, I realized that maybe I felt a bit like that myself. And I hadn't really thought about it in that way until I had done these pictures and people might scoff and say that sounds like pretentious crap, but uh, it, it's, it's actually not. At least I, I see photo photography makes me think. And I, I like to think when I'm taking my pictures and. I like to think when I'm looking at, at them and, and editing them and it kind of just makes you realise things that you may otherwise have skated by if you if I hadn't been doing this. It's just a nice process. And then, you know, every so often it will dawn on me that, oh, the, the, these pictures, are, you're doing this because you're interested in this or maybe this is saying something about this. So that's how it works.
for me anyway. Yeah. Do you think a lot of that is just taking time? The t- the time that it takes to do something allows you to kind of reflect and, and look inside a little bit because you've you've taken the time, which in your style of photography is, you know, is something you have to, it's not a rushed process on your end. No, it's, it's a, it's, um, it's a continuous process and it's something that I do. Uh, well, I'm very fortunate that I can do every day now. And um, there's nothing else I do more of really than taking pictures or <laughs> editing pictures or thinking about pictures. So um, yeah, it, it just, it kind of just happens if you do anything that much. I think a lot of people say that street, you know, they find street photography difficult because, you know, they don't know what to shoot. They don't know when they've got a picture. They don't. Whereas I, I, I like to see it as a, much more of a thought process based thing you know trying to cut down how random the street can be uh, which is something i talked about in in the film we made together yep. and and that really is one of my my main core philosophies is not just shooting everything out there because otherwise you end up super frustrated but actually thinking what is it i want to shoot why am i shooting a little bit you know and 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 if you like the second I, I get a uh, wind of the fact that I'm on to a series, I, I will then grab onto that and try and develop that rather than just shooting everything. Cause I find that if you have an idea that's good and you, you use the street as the canvas for it, that's when interesting photographs start to happen rather than just going out and shooting willy nilly. <laughs> you mentioned there that you, you started photographing in the train and the tube as you were you know, going to work. When did that transition happen? When did you when did you get into photography and what were you doing before photography? I, I was doing music. So I was writing music predominantly for television. I was doing like jingles and mixing, audio mixing for uh, mastering a little bit for television ads and for TV shows, like a couple of BBC things that where the BBC couldn't complete stuff in time. They have like overspill studios that they give stuff to. And so I was yep. doing that. And also I was doing, uh, started getting into film scoring and I did some short film stuff. And so I was kind of in that world. And this is from the age of about 20 to 25 years old. And I'm sure if I'd continued in that, I would have probably ended up film scoring mm-hmm. and going down that route. Uh, but I, I don't know, it was, I think it was a bit of a naivety. I thought that the music industry wasn't going to be as as just like business like corporate as it was and so cutthroat and so mercy you know like have writing a piece of music for a brand and then them turning around and going that's shit or or that's not good enough uh and then saying do it again you know to 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 a 20 year old who's never heard that before when you're writing music it's quite you're like oh it's quite a personal thing you know and it's funny because working as a uh, without use of a better word, as an art or as a creative, let's say, yeah. um, you've got to be very in touch with certain feelings and be quite open-minded and, and expressive. But then you've got to be able to lock that down when people are critiquing it, and you've got to be able to take hits and critique and all that stuff and not be faced by it and just see it as a kind of just part of business. And, and that took me time to learn, and I think it contributed to me not really liking music very much. And I and I found it quite. Um, just like the, the creativity was being sapped out of it. And, you know, I'd get a brief. I remember getting a brief for a, a very big car brand and I was very excited. But they literally like pretty much word for word spelt out what they wanted me to do. Right. And I couldn't deviate from it, you know. So anyway, so I'm just painting a picture here of um, what, what it was like. And, and I was earning money and I was, you know, felt very lucky to have be earning money at all from music. And I think it's gotten even harder now to earn money from music. Uh, even in the past six years and uh so i was kind of i was happy with the earning side and but i wasn't i wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled and the last thing that you want to do when you've been in a studio for eight hours writing is um to get out your guitar and have a jam or or play in a band yeah so i ended up weirdly even though i was doing a job that most of my friends and family saw as wildly creative I felt like I was just, I wasn't being creative at all. And it was kind of just, it appeared to be. And and so I was looking for another hobby or something to take over, to fill that void. Because I've I've always, street photography suits me quite nicely because I, I, I like having, um I like creating things. I feel like uh, it's kind of a wasted day if I haven't at least tried to write a song. That's how I used to be. I used to mm-hmm. try and write a song all the time or learn a technique or a scale or try and further myself in some way on my instrument and um street photography is a much more immediate version of that so the 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 way i got into photography was by meeting a girl 
I think a lot of people have got into the arts for the purpose of attracting the opposite sex, <laughs> uh, if they're being honest. And um, I met a girl who I had no interest in photography. And, and yeah, her friends told me that she was a hobby photographer and I should probably buy a camera if I want to hang out with her because she's so busy. <laughs> and um, and I did. And I bought a camera and I, and I tried to woo her and it worked. And she introduced me to photography, which I actually... Um, ended up really enjoying more than our relationship because that only lasted for about a year and a half and uh and the photography is still going photography still going and then i know you know we're delighted to obviously have you post your work on Flickr, and i think it was mm. back it was back in 2014 that you you discovered Flickr and kind of of course that, moved your that work was there. The, so yeah so Flickr was um if i'm being honest it must be down to your good marketing people i don't i <laughs> i i just I I thought I need I wanted to put my pictures somewhere that I could send them to people and 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 also so that when I was on the street I could show people on my phone if they asked me what my, what I was doing I could show them and I wanted them all in a nice easy to place that and and I found Flickr I'm not sure how I found Flickr but I found Flickr and I I'd really heard of it as a as a place for photography yeah and I and I started using it and I haven't really stopped I I really like the fact that it. It's, it, I love the camera roll thing where you can see all the dates and it's all nicely laid out. And it's pretty much my archive now. Yep. Uh, it's all in Flickr. And I can pull up, you know, I think, oh, you know, what was that shot I was doing? You know, what was I doing in September 2016? I can just go straight in and find it. But yeah, I, I started uploading onto Flickr and I got dis- I got discovered on Flickr by, uh, I was putting my photos into a group called like London Photography Group or something. The editor from Time Out magazine found my work in in one of the Flickr groups and gave me a shot at an interview. And that was the first time I'd, I'd, I'd ever shown my work to anyone outside my friends or family. Well, actually, I didn't even, even my friends. I just showed them to this girl who I was with and to like my mum. <laughs> that was about it. And um, your mum liked them. The girlfriend didn't and she moved on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's surprisingly accurate. Um, no, but she, uh, they were both very encouraging. Yeah, I, I, I got that interview shot and then things kind of just built from there actually. And I got another interview and another interview, another interview and so forth. And, and, um, and I actually managed to think, get, get my head around the fact that people thought my pictures were all right. And then I explored getting into a photography collective and meeting other photographers and that's how I ended up meeting, um, I ended up through just the photography community meeting uh, Walter and Craig, who we co-founded uh, SPI. Yeah, things kind of went on from there and it just kind of got more and more serious. <laughs> and I, and, I, and then I eventually stopped doing music completely and swapped into photography. I still play music as a hobby, but I'm, I'm, I prefer this industry, I, I, I think. So I, I know some people who have done who are photographers who've gone into music and who prefer it the other way around so i'm yeah. not saying it as a rule but for me for you it works this way around and the, and the time in my life when it happened it i have much more positive associations with uh with photography and and i think it was also born out of the fact that i didn't i didn't put any pressure on myself with it whereas mm. with music i'd been doing it from a young age and i studied it at university and i wanted to be a musician and i wanted to make money from it and with photography, it was just I'm trying to impress a chick. <laughs> do you know? Do you now have a much more positive relationship with music that it's now the hobby? Massively, yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I I still quite a lot, and I've got friends who you know all the same friends who play music. Yeah, it, it's I, I've kind of I now feel like I have two creative things sources now, and I love playing music and I love photography, but photography's never got to the point I felt like with music where I felt like I was being creatively eroded where you know I've I made a decision to never go back down that route and to never compromise what I wanted to do as a as a photographer that was a big learning curve and I'm glad that I didn't just go back down the same route as I did with music I'm grateful that I went through that two passions we have we have in common is photography and, and guitar uh, I'm you're way more accomplished at both of them than I will ever be so <laughs> <laughs> well you never have a know jam at some point we, we yeah we should I know you're 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 quite uh you're into your Gibsons as well, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm into anything with six strings, to be honest. But maybe we could, <laughs> maybe we could write a, a flicker jingle. That would be like the um, the completion of of, of my of skills. Writing <laughs> 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 a jingle for a uh, for, yeah. Well, you, well, I, well, I, write I'd, write I'd a jingle for my for 
write a jingle for the podcast. That's that's what I need. I need yeah. a new jingle for the podcast. You mentioned there Craig Riley, Walter Rothwell, or and yourself co-founded mm. SPI. So tell yes. tell the audience a little bit about SPI and what you do there. Um, so SPI was founded. We 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 set it up as a just because out of a love for street photography primarily, and the fact that we all did it, and we felt that there was a lot of groups at the time who I'm not going to mention uh, and, and like photography agencies and collectors that encouraged the, you to submit your work to them, but they were very selective and didn't particularly, um, I, I didn't, you know, we, we all three of us didn't really understand why some awards, you know, photographers were winning awards. We just couldn't understand it. You know, like it seemed like a little bit of a, uh, maybe fixed, you know, like mm. like a mates thing, or like, or maybe it, it was just going. The, the the world of photography seemed to be, I don't know, just like drifting away from the classic kind of style that we love, and 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 it was going down a kind of very much more cerebral, arty route. And we just thought there's there was for some reason a gap missing for just classic street photography that was you know moment based, beautifully captured images you know just that kind of classic thing that that inspires so many people so we we kind of just um started posting some of our images and and encouraging people to submit to spi and and yeah it, it kind of just grew wildly beyond what we any of us thought it would and yeah just amazing really and huge community now i mean you, you've got like over 1.6 million people around the world involved that's in right SPI. yeah yeah, and it really started just as a kind of like a conversation in a pub, <laughs> and as the um, best ideas do. Yeah, as they do, and and we thought, you know, I think the difference is that some photography companies are run by business people rather than um, people who are enthusiastically into photography, and that's what something I thought I thought was when we came to see you at, Fl at the Flickr HQ in San Francisco. Yep. You can tell that many of the of the people working there are into photography, including yourself, Alistair. You've had a photographic career yourself, and 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 I think that that was missing at quite a lot of um, you know some of these photography award places or some of these photography communities are actually run by and by people who aren't photographers themselves. And and I think the fact that we were we kind of had our finger on the pulse almost of what photographers how they were feeling and um what they wanted to see and and for some reason it just kind of worked and uh craig in particular did a fantastic job with uh coming up with some concepts and uh running the account and we we just all pitched in ideas and, and we've all just kind of come up with different things that have added into it and yeah, it's got to the stage that it is now, and 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 it and it's really um, we're 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 very proud of it, and uh, it's become quite a responsibility actually. Cause, I'm you sure. Know, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 literally the biggest platform for street photography, I think, in the world now. Yeah. And we we we're getting. I, I tried to calculate it the other day. We have like something like seven or eight million sub submissions on mm. Instagram using our tag and. We've only been the thing for like four or five years, and it's like how many per day that's now working out as is just insane. It's huge numbers, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, we are very passionate here at Smug Mug, and obviously now at Flickr as well. Yeah. When it comes to photography, many of us have been customers uh, and users of our products before becoming employees, that type of thing. So we definitely love the whole world of photography, and we were so thrilled and honoured to be able to sponsor uh, and host uh, the SPI Awards that you did back in yeah. 2019 i had to look back it was like was it last year was it the year before no, <laughs> like last a, last year yeah. was the void yeah um yeah yeah and 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 that was uh awesome traveling out there as the three of us and yeah it, it wasn't possible to have everyone involved there because you know it was, it's a massively international thing so yeah we couldn't Doesn't matter get where you do it. Yeah. yeah um and uh but yeah it was it was fantastic and yeah. and and it's amazing that you know uh things like Flickr and and uh spi you know it's truly international stuff and you get people from all over the world engaging with work now which is such a, a really cool thing isn't it yeah no it was really good i mean it was the first exhibition we'd ever hosted at the at the Flickr offices and uh under our stewardship and 
yeah, it was such a such a thrill to do that back in 2019. And I'm kind of excited to to maybe mention that we're in talks about the next the next SPI awards that hopefully will be coming to yeah, screen pa- near you soon. Pandemic <laughs> Willie. Pa- yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, we we are prepared. We're gearing up for uh, the next edition of yeah. the SPI awards. And but yeah, it's also uh, it's uh, you know after the year we've had, it's it's very difficult to say to give specific timings for Definitely. things isn't yeah. it but yeah but we're, we'll be, we're very we'll much be there. looking forward to working with you guys again yeah Flickr will be very honoured to sponsor that again and, and hopefully mm. host host the exhibition if we can uh, but I hope stay, it, well, stay I hope, yeah, look, if everything goes alright <laughs> yeah <laughs> if the moon's aligned yeah. Um, so that will be coming soon. What let's move to gear. I'm sure people listening would, would hate this podcast if we didn't talk about gear and I'm yeah. not talking about your Gibson guitar, but your camera gear, <laughs> you know, you're extremely well known for, for your work with Leica. How did the, how did the association or, or how did you discover the Leica camera? What made you want to, to photograph with Leica? So the story is that I was, I was shooting on a Canon originally and, when I was met this girl and um, I, I went to an exhibition not for her birthday where, or around the time of her birthday where we saw some uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson work. And I was completely like my, I'd never heard of him before and, and saw his work and was totally like, wow. Um, and I, I asked the question that a lot of amateurs always ask, which is what was this shot on? Um, <laughs> And you must uh, have had a good camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so I, I instantly was like, well, he must have a better camera than me. Um, and of course, you know, a can a modern Canon is way better than what, you know, it, on paper than what a, an old Leica M3 could have right. put out. So it's not about that. Um, and I, I mean, te- you know, technicals, you know, if you're talking about things like resolution and all those things. And you know, I, I I didn't realize that it wasn't all about camera stuff. But that's what that's what you do when you're starting out. You try and look out, look for things that can distance yourself from the fact that your pictures aren't what you're <laughs> what, that you're happy enough making. And I found out that he they he made them on a Leica. So I was I was like, right, okay, I'm going to find out about this Leica business. And I went to the Leica store in London and I tried an M9 uh, with a 50 mil Sumalux. And uh, I bought an SD card with me and I took the took the thing home and looked at it and was just like, God, you know, just completely like, ah, <laughs> it was just. I like, must have this. Yeah, it was just, a th- I, I loved the whole thing. I loved the rangefinder system. I literally, I, I fell in love with, with the, the rangefinder, just the, the, you know, the marrying up the image, the parallel system in, in the, I thought that was so cool. I thought, I thought it looked cool. It felt cool. The fact that most of my heroes, you know, at that time, uh, becoming my heroes, photographic heroes were all shooting on them. Um, it just all made sense. The only thing that didn't make sense was the amount of money, yeah. uh, that, that, that it cost. And, you know, I'd bought my Canon, I think it was one of those crop body, rebel cameras and it yeah. cost me about 300 quid with the kit lens included and and this one was like 11 grand or something for the combo the elephant in the room i love everything about this but how much does it cost yeah well, well i gosh, couldn't get my head around the price uh, and um but I, I i sold a couple of jingles i ate pot noodles for quite a while and I, um, I, I, I basically financially ruined myself for a while. Uh, at the time, I didn't have m- m- many savings, and I, <laughs> and I spent pretty much all of them on this camera. Yep. I was like, yeah, it was, it was quite a quite a stupid idea. Well, now I'm glad I did it, obviously. But um, looking back, it was a really stupid thing to do in terms of business sense. And my my dad was like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Um, <laughs> You know, you did what, what, are you, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, I, I kind of vowed that I was going to earn it back. And, and, and the pride of owning this camera was so strong. I wanted to use it all the time and I wanted to carry it with me all the time. And I, I was just hooked on the, the rendering of it. And I loved the way that this, the lenses made stuff look, you know. Uh, it, it just really put the, the, the kind of wonder in me uh, of exploring it and see, and pushing it and seeing how far the camera could be stretched. and. I, I just got really obsessed with it, and also into Lightroom editing and how to, you know, how to kind of 
achieve the look I wanted and to, trying to come up with the look I wanted. And, you know, it kind of put me on this path towards having the style I have now and getting some sort I always wanted some sort of consistency. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a, a love affair that still goes today. And, and, and uh, I now shoot on the uh, M10 monochrome, which I was... Uh, very honoured to do the kind of uh, testing for and the and the campaign launch for, which was a real dream for me. I, I, yeah, you know, I'm sure. When I first got into into Leica stuff, you know, the idea that I, five years later I'd be doing one of the launches was was pretty nuts. So I was very I was really happy to do that and to get to meet and speak to the people behind it. And you know, like it's just a from the geek photographer inside of me, it was like a dream. Yeah. That's pretty special. <laughs> yeah, very, very special. And 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 you know what? I I am an ambassador for Leica, but I'll say this, they 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 look after their own very much and and they they are very they've taken an interest in me from an early point and they were like literally they were like, You're not quite there yet, but we're gonna follow you and uh I don't mean on Instagram, I mean I follow you mm-hmm. and like follow your progression and keep coming back to us and talk to us and you know, let us know if we can help and 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 it got to a certain point where it made sense for us to, yep. to actually form a partnership. And yeah, so I, I, I'm cool. grateful, grateful to them for that. And, and yeah, you, you can't, people say whatever they want about Leica stuff, you, their lenses are the best. And that's it. I, that's the end of that. Um, <laughs> There's no they, conversation they, to be they, had. There isn't. They're smaller, they're better, they're better and the rendering is better. It's just, you know, I get the argument of putting the lenses on other bodies, but, you know, lens, the Leica lenses on the bodies just just sing in a way that I don't see them do on other sensors and other combos with with those filters. Even on the SL, I feel like the the Leica M system works best with the M system. That's my opinion. But we do we do often say there's no such thing as a bad camera, and, and an artist can make an image with any camera they have. But there's definitely something about whatever camera you find that inspires you to want to use it. Right, Absolutely. that's a huge part of it. Absolutely, and I know some people who have tried as much as they to fall in love with the Leica and they can't and they don't and it doesn't suit them they want autofocus they you know I mean with the Leica M and that's cool that's fine you know it's the the thing that makes people think that you know oh you use Leica because it's the most expensive therefore it must be the best it's not the reason Leicas are so expensive is because they're one their production process is so in-depth and it's all hand done that's one reason, but the other fact is that they've they're they're not a big company compared to Canon. You know, they've only got like I I don't know what the exact number is, but it's it can't be that many more than a thousand employees. You know, whereas Canon have got like I think I read nineteen thousand just in Japan. You know, it's a totally different thing, and that you know, to, if if you want to go down that route, that's one thing, that's fine. But you know, some people will just harmonize better with a with a bigger camera like a DSLR. Maybe you want burst mode. Maybe you want a camera that can do face tracking. Maybe you want yep. uh, something that's completely silent, like Fuji's offer. Or if you want something like, you know, so I it's interesting. I, I went down the Leica route largely because well, the thing that really made me fall in love with it was the fact that the lens. I don't like. Um, autofocus messing up a shot for me and I've seen it happen <laughs> time and time again with photographers and I like the fact that I love manual only cameras because if it if it messes up it's my so I have I'm entirely to blame for it and I like the fact that the Leica system is the, the M system is like it's just makes you accountable for everything basically <laughs> and it's quite a simple tool it's not full of aids and it's like the equivalent of like a modern day car versus a car back in the day without abs and without power steering and yeah you know that's kind of what the m's are they're, they're just like a bit more it's not to say they're less capable they're totally as capable they're just it's just a different philosophy about how you interact with it and yeah. and for me that that worked very nicely and for other people it doesn't and i think the biggest mistake people can make is like falling in love with the camera or with a lens and then just for no reason other than feeling like you need to experiment or you know then just just getting other stuff and like getting a different lens or buying the newest body like for me i said when Leica approached me about the m10 monochrome st- uh, uh campaign i said you know it's gonna have to be bloody special to make me want to use it as a daily over the existing <laughs> one because yeah I, I i didn't feel like if someone had said what do you need more you know i never felt like i never once looked at my camera 
three years ago when I was shooting it, you know, and been like, what a piece of junk, you know, like, like, you know, it always, it always gave me what I wanted in low light in terms of dynamic range. And this new camera is better and I don't use my old one anymore at all. Uh, So they did nail it. They smashed it out of the park, mainly in terms of the extra resolution, but without sacrificing that they've made it better in low light and denser pixels at the same time. I don't know how they do it. There is some sort of voodoo. magic with technology how it's growing these days but well, you know, if, you're like, not, uh, if you're not using that old monochrome anymore uh, you know maybe <laughs> yeah i'll send you sure. my address <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's my baby that thing I, yeah. I i i have so much um because that was that was yeah i have so many that thing really has been everywhere with me and and it, it, more than anything or anyone else has always been there and i and i do feel a, a strange sentiment like like I, I, I feel more attachment to that camera than I do this one in a weird way than the one I use today. But um, the the thing I always say about about uh, gear choice and like you know like Henri Cartier-Bresson as an example again, um, he spent his whole career shooting on an M3 and a 50 mil collapsible Simicron lens. Fashion changed and cameras changed and color film came in and wide angles came in and tele you know zooms came in. He yep. didn't care about any of them because he had his his system. He had a 50 mil and an M3, and that worked for him, and he could achieve his vision, and he didn't care about the latest whatever. Yep. And all he cared about was image making, and that is obvious in his ridiculous portfolio. And, you know, I, I'm more into portfolio than I am into camera shelf. And, yep. um, you know, I, I'm, I feel very much like I've got my rig and 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 more importantly the the right one for me and i don't want to rock the boat at all and yes it so happens to be one of the most expensive cameras uh i i wish that it had been a cheaper camera in so, at one point in my career but uh for you sure. know it, it happens to be that this camera and a 24 mil lens uh just pairs up exactly like it's the easiest it's the path of least resistance let's say and it it, it allows me to be creative and kind of slips into the background more so than any camera i've used that is worth more than anything else to me yeah it's a great uh great sentiment and there's you know there's maybe stuff we can take from you know bresson cartier bresson about you know the fact that he only stuck with what worked for him without this kind of consumer disposable world that we we kind of live in now yeah, we just I'm... constantly want a new thing you know yeah, it's symptomatic of the world we live in, isn't it? Like, you know, Absolutely. I remember my mum saying that when she was growing up, they had a dryer, you know, for drying their clothes that lasted like 20 years. And I, now we've got to get a TV every three years. You change your phone every year. You, you, you've you got your, I mean, my dryer, I've bought three in the past eight years because they keep breaking. I'm not misusing them. <laughs> they just break. <laughs> and everything just breaks. And, you know, it's... I guess it's much bigger market, much higher demand. Everyone's trying to do stuff for cheaper and squeeze more profit margin out of stuff. And um, and you know, last thing I'll say about Leica is that I don't feel I feel like they build stuff in that old with that old school mentality of it's going to last you your life and maybe your kids' lives if they yep. take it if you take care of it. And I love that. I love the fact that that the 50 mil Sumalux gets updated once every 28 years rather than once a, you know, like there are some camera companies who are producing stupid amount of update. And it just makes you feel like, what's the point in buying one? Because you're just going to be, you're just going to be superseded. And it's like, I I don't know. There are so many things wrong with today's world that make or that make me just feel like it would have been great to have been <laughs> maybe born 50 years before born in the wrong decade maybe <laughs> you mentioned earlier in, in the conversation that we made a film together yes again i had to look up exactly when we made that because it, it feels a long time ago but it was only really? back in 2018 yeah uh we released it in 2019 one of our smug mug films a series of films that we made that's you know called alan Schaller streets in mind which we made together in manhattan that was a fun fun project to do with it was super cool that was a really wonderful time and that's when we first met wasn't it it was, was that yeah, our first? In, in, yeah in in real life yeah um and uh like when we could do that it was a really cool and i love it's done pretty well online since and people a lot yeah. of people have watched it and 
I still use it. I used it recently, actually, for a pitch for something, uh, yep. just showing them that. And yeah, it was just a, a really nice, um, it, I think, yeah, it's the first time I probably like own a video sense, like got tried to explain how I, how I do things and see things. I don't know, maybe one day we'll do another one. <laughs> yeah, well, if people haven't seen it yet, they can check it out over on YouTube. Uh, if you go to Smug Mug Films on YouTube, search for for that series, you'll find Streets in Mind with with Alan Schaller. And yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. This series of films is about giving people an insight, a little vignette on you know what our favorite photographers in the world do. And we were you know really excited and so pleased that you were willing to make that film with us because we truly truly love your work and it was no, great to no, spend. And- time doing it especially in such a great city as well manhattan is incredible danton who makes the films that guy is like absolute beast in his own right like he he, he completely uh if you watch all the films he, he just like adapts the people's he, he said um you know he never really worked with a street photographer before and he just took it on so quick and kind of understood me and we had a chat on the first day before we started shooting the night before where he just yeah. kind of fired some questions and and he totally just fitted into the to the street style and, and he didn't get in my way and and i didn't really know what he was doing he just kind of working in the background and that that's great i think that he yeah the fact that he makes the films as well really helped yeah we're, we're very very fortunate to to have anton as our in-house cinematographer and, and you know it's great to work with him and watch him create magic and tell these stories and, and so many as you say so many different genres that he's able to to really embed himself in your yeah, world yeah, yeah. And, and tell that story skill. maybe you should do one on him one day <laughs> yeah do you know we should right <laughs> we have spoke about it it's like a, a smug mug film featuring anton we just don't who would film it that's the <laughs> i'll film it, film it. Yeah. Black got a video Got a video mode on that monochrome, right? No, they no. took it out. <laughs> they took it out. Oh, well. we'll lend you. We'll lend you a video camera. Yeah, That'd cheers. be fun. Yeah, we also made a little film about the SPI Awards as well with Anton. That's correct. And yeah, the three of you. That was that was good. Just uh, kind of highlighting what the collective were doing at the SPI. So mm. that was a fun little project as well. So hopefully, we find an excuse to to make some some more content like that. At yeah, some yeah. point down the lane. Yeah, what is that. down the lane for for Alan? What's what's down the line? What's next? Well, COVID allowing. I, I've got like some really cool commissions coming up. So mm-hmm. uh, work with like hotels and traveling and going out there and photographing for them, but not like hotel room stuff. You know, I don't do stuff like that. It, it's more kind of let's say a, a really nice hotel in. Uh, New York will want photos around New York that they can have exclusively for use in their prints and stuff like that yeah. and to use on their on their accounts, so stuff like that. I've got a couple of those. I'm working on my book, uh, which is going to be out this year, finally. It was meant to be last year, uh, but had a, you know, last year wasn't the best year of all time for a, and it probably wasn't the right time to release a book in the middle of a pandemic and be like, hey, everyone, can you give me some money for the book, please? Uh, yeah. it, it didn't feel right um and yeah I, i'm kind of going more into like the advertising kind of sector and licensing images and stuff like that partnering with some uh, agency kind of types and doing that because uh it's actually it's, it's quite nice actually trying to sell photos that you've already taken <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's a concept that i i think is quite a good one um Sorry. so yeah pursuing that as well and, and then that leads to other things as well I mean, also, I just want to travel, you know? Yeah. I just want to go on a trip that isn't commissioned, just as I used to do when I first got into photography. I used to save up and pay for my own trip. And uh, and, and, I, and I want to just do a trip now. Just go, like, I don't know, around America or... Um, I haven't been to New Orleans. I'd love to go there. Oh, New Orleans would be a great place for you. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, you, would, yeah. I think yeah, you would really I'd, like I'd, it there. Yeah, it's, it's on my well bucket there. list. And um, I really want to go back to Japan. I've been there a couple of times now, and I, and I really want to. Uh, it's just so cool. Uh, such an interesting place to photograph. Get back to life as normal. That's my plan. Hopefully that's the plan Plan for all of us. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing all the things you, you create down the line. We look forward to hearing more about the book when you're able to to tell us more about that. Yes, That's yeah, yeah. Um, very it's, exciting. Well, th- well, if things go to plan, there'll be two books this year. We'll, we'll see. Wow. Because <laughs> it's been long overdue, I think. Uh, I should have done one like three years ago, but it, it's, um, I, I'm glad I didn't. 
a good thing to have waited because I've got much, much more of a sense of who I am as a photographer now than back then. So that's good. And we, we look forward to hopefully launching sponsorship of the SPI Awards later in the year if we can. That would oh, be yeah. exciting. But for now, Alan, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure, Alistair. Always a pleasure to chat. Hopefully we can do it in face-to-face again. Yeah. And do one of those photo walks again like we did in London. <laughs> Maybe we could do another one of those. Yeah, we've done one in London. We've done one in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco. Yeah, let's let's go do one in New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Right, or would be a pub, or would it be a pub crawl? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, <laughs> both. There's no reason you can't integrate both. <laughs> if uh, if people wanted to to see your work, obviously they can check out Alan Schaller on Flickr. But uh, where yeah. else can people see your work? Uh, on my website and on Instagram as well, and that's it. I don't use any other platforms. Just Flickr, yeah. Instagram, and my website. And it's alanschaller.com. That's the one. The website. Well, go check out Alan's work if you're not familiar with it. You're in for a treat because it's the most beautiful black and white street photography you're likely to see. Uh, oh, so exactly. thank you so much for taking the time. We're, we're coming to the end of the show. Go pick up that guitar and let's write a jingle for the end okay, of the show. Okay, okay, hang on. Got to, got to f- finish the show with a... It's got to be a bit like, j- like loungy. you jam out while i thank everybody for tuning in to this episode and wherever you are in the world folks have a great time and we'll see you on the next episode play us out alan <laughs> there we go jingle awesome thanks man thanks bye Thank you everyone for joining us here on the podcast. A huge thank you to Alan for taking the time to talk to us today. Of course, please go check out everything we have to offer at smugmug.com and flickr.com. And we'll see you back here for another episode of the Photography Lounge podcast. We leave our in the basement.